Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit, Chat and PTs. This is a series where we chat with a wide range of health professionals about a wide range of topics. This week we chat with Luke Catt of Club K Fitness in Hextable, Kent, a man who's been in this industry for a very long time with many a story to tell, including a massive Britain's Got Talent scandal that saw his dance act get removed from the semi-finals. And uh, yeah, I'm still speechless now, it's certainly some grade A juice. We also discuss the challenges he's faced from being in this industry for so long in, yes, it's good to have experience, but being able to evolve with the constant shifts in scientific literature, etc., makes it all the more difficult, and Luke's approach gets Tom hard in all the wrong places. Before all that, though, we get into the festive spirit by adding a twist to our top three Gem Pet Peeves intro in only asking for one Gem Pet Peeve, and then we go on to his two favourite Christmas films ranked using our brand new RPS scale. Let's get into this week's episode. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? I'm great, thank you. Good evening, boys. How are you doing? We are back with Chat with PTs and we've got another guest on. We are joined by by Luke, uh, PT Masseuse Extraordinaire, who's uh, joining us. Unfortunately, if you're if you're not watching the, a YouTube snippet of this, you won't be able to see, but he's actually in one of his uh, personal training studios at the moment. So we've, got, we've got a fantastic backdrop. And if you are watching on YouTube, it looks very, very warm. Uh, <laughs> unlike where I am, I'm in seven yeah, days because I am why? cold in a witch's tit at the moment. Uh, it is pretty the freezing on. down in I'm going to the heat on, Tom, is that cold? Yeah, no, I've had the heaters on all day in here knowing that I'm going to be sitting here talking to you guys <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I'm quite jealous knowing that you guys can just literally just chill out in a shirt and I'm here like layered up. I've actually got a onesie on as well, but that's below the waist. I suppose gas gas bills are high at the moment, aren't they? So <laughs> They are. So, live in a society, mate. Gas we bills are high. Society. We do. Oh, and he's cracking up. What are you cracking open there? It's got my, my Diet Coke. Got me our Spartan or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm it. I've not done an episode on that yet. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll jump straight into it then, uh, Luke. So... I'm not sure if you've ever listened to any of our Chat with PTs series, but we like to start every episode with you know, establishing our guests' gym pet peeves. But this episode is gonna is gonna launch in December, so as it's the festive season, what we've decided to do is we're gonna add a bit of a festive twist onto these questions. So we are still gonna find out one of your gym pet peeves, but then we want to find out your two favourite festive films. That is, if you have any, you might be the, the Grinch. You might hate. All festiveness, <laughs> so yeah, we might get to that point. You'll go, you know what? I hate Christmas. Let's move on. But we'll see. I we'll thought the Grinch was actually a shit film. It depends on which one, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, there's quite I'm a not, few actually. Yeah. I've not seen either, but I'm just, uh, I'm just going to assume that is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be doing that, Tom. Anyway, um, we'll get into it, Luke. So if we'll, we'll start with you with the basics. We'll go with your, your top gym pet peeve. What, what have you got? Uh, wiping down equipment after use if Ooh. it's not been Ooh. done. Ooh. Yeah, at my studio, from the day I opened. You use it, you clean it. It has always been that way. Um, yeah, and I, oh, it drives me nuts watching people in gyms covering equipment in sweat and then not wiping it down afterwards. And certainly now, with with the pandemic and COVID, it's, it's now become really apparent on why we do that uh, a lot more. Um, but still yeah. amazed in, in other gyms that I've been in to still see it. Uh, even after the pandemic, people still just walk away, leaving it disgusting so yeah that's definitely my pet peeve oh, i haven't told you we, we actually rank these pet peeves aren't we tom do you want to mm. give us your rankings we haven't gone through the rankings have you made it festive at least talk to me yeah i've made it festive oh, um no, here we not go. really uh so 
Luke, I'm sure you're familiar with the RPE scale, so rate of perceived exertion, depending on how difficult an exercise is. With the pet peeves, we have gone for the RPS scale Ooh, this week, S. which is the, okay. the rate of perceived shithousery. <laughs> so basically, oh, okay. how awful is this pet peeve on a scale of 1 to 10? And uh, yeah, so for yourself, we're going to get you to rate it, and then me and Bill are going to give our RPS rating on it. Hang as on, well. Where, where's the festival? How's that if you said, oh, it's kind of festive? Where, how's that a festive at all? Well, Christmas is pretty shit, so yes, it? it goes in hand in hand with that. I feel like I am the Grinch. I don't, it's very yeah, cold. Scrooge, you know. aren't you? I, I didn't really. You were fine the last year's Christmas special. I didn't, where did it all yeah, come? it weren't as cold back then. <laughs> I, I didn't, got me combi boiling now. I should be more cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you rank your own first if you want, Luke. Go for it. Yeah, it's a good eight for me. It Ooh. really is. Um, just just on sheer everything that can be passed around with within uh, not wiping stuff down. But not only that, um, you know, bacteria living in sweat just makes the gym smell disgusting as well. So, um, yeah, for me, it's it's quite high up there. But then that's why it's my pet peeve. Yeah, I mean, I'd go higher than that. I'm going for a 10 with that. I'm going to the top of the scale. I just think there's no excuse excuse for it, especially on, you know, if you've been dripping with sweat all over kit. I just think, what, what's, what's your excuse? Disgusting. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what? In the current times we live in, I'm going to go for a 10 as well, mm. especially with everything that's happening now. So before it used to be one of those things where, look, if you left just sweat in general on the bench, let's say, or on the equipment, you should wipe it down. It's just common etiquette. But now with COVID, etc., it's a lot more serious. Uh, so I work in a commercial gym. We've got cleaning stations all around the gym. There are posters everywhere, you know, and it's enforced as well by staff. So look, you've got to start cleaning your stuff. I've actually sent out warnings to people who have failed to clean their stuff and they've actually got emotional. Like they simply cannot believe that I've sent them a warning over not cleaning down their equipment during the height of a pandemic, even though they signed up to it, knowing the rules and it's advertised everywhere. It's such a low effort thing as well. I mean, with us, our cleaning stations, it's simply antibacterial spray, a bit of uh, blue roll, spray, wipe, bin it. It's low effort. Yeah. But the, you know, the benefit you get out of it is absolutely massive. You could potentially be stopping someone's household from getting sick. You know, and I guarantee you, these people. Oh, I'm going to rant now. This is a really good start to the episode. Yeah, set them off, Luke. This is it. The thing is, like, I guarantee you, these people that just go, oh fuck, I can't be asked cleaning that, are the same people that kicked up a fuss when gyms were closed down over lockdown. Yeah, I guarantee you. Yeah, so that's a solid ten for me, especially now with everything that's happening, and I'm pretty sure. From now on until the end of time now, it's pretty much going to be like that in regards to gyms. Like cleaning is going to be enforced a lot more heavier. And I do think it, it comes down to a culture that is put in within a gym and it comes down from the top. So like I say here, it's been in since day one. So as soon as I open the gym, we've always had it. Um, in fact, my biggest problem within COVID was actually stopping people from helping each other cleaning stuff. In mm. actually that I've built that culture so well here that you were then going, actually, you can't be getting closer to other people. You need to just be doing your own and leaving it alone, which is it is is a really nice problem to have at my gym that you're, you're not worrying about. Uh, is it going to be cleaned? It's more about at the point where you weren't supposed to be more than two meters with, with someone else that you were kind of going, yeah, you will need to kind of step back and just deal with your own stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, so community is, is, I think it's how you build your gym. I think it's definitely easier from your point of view, Luke, with the fact that it's your own space. So you've kind of, you've orchestrated that that culture from day one. Whereas if you work in a commercial gym like Tom, 
Yeah. You don't really have any, the people are coming and going all the time. You don't really know the members as well on a personal level. So it's very hard to build that culture yeah. without, you can put posters up, but who reads the them? Finners as well. I tell you what, another common thing is, is you'll pull some aside and say, look, I just saw you didn't wipe down your equipment. Can you, uh, you know, can you just clean it? Or you send someone a warning and they come back with, oh, well, that person over there is not doing it. Or, oh, well, I don't see people cleaning their equipment. It's like, well, at the end of the day, you don't know whether I'm sending those per- people warnings or if I'm putting them to the side, yeah. you know, and having a word with them. It's uh, it's just a bit of personal responsibility. But as, you know, we've kind of discovered in the past nearly two years, it's not a thing that humans do very well, having personal responsibility. <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Put it lightly, yeah. That's a good, good start there, Luke. Number 10s, top top, top scores there. We've, we've not had many of those on this, uh, on this show, so it's a great start. Let's see how your festive films got on then. So let's go straight into it. What's your... What's your number one? So I'm going to completely ruin it for you, Tom, because The Grinch is is definitely <laughs> in my top ten. <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you the reason for this. The reason for The Grinch, and and to be really controversial, is it's the new one, not the one with Jim Carrey in. Um, oh, okay. And it's majorly because um, during the pandemic, um, I my sister had a baby on Christmas Eve, and I was looking after my niece. And I had to watch it with her probably 15 or 20 times over the Christmas period. Um, But being on my own over Christmas and then spending the time with her, it's more about a memory of spending time with my little four-year-old niece over Christmas than it is the actual movie. Um, Although it does have one of the most awesome songs or remixes of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen by Pentatonix in it, which if you you haven't heard Pentatonix, you need to check them out because they are pretty (laughs) cool at what they do. Um, yeah, so that's the first one. Uh, otherwise, it's got to be uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, oh yeah. You've got what do you mean? Oh God! No, a... <laughs> in a good way. Oh God, in a good way. Yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol is. Uh, that's up there for me. That's, do you know what? It's actually oh. really horrifying in some bits. I remember as a kid, find mm. that scary as shit. I mean, with the Grinch, as I said, I've not actually seen it, so I can't comment on it. Uh, um, is it based on like a true story or? <sighs> <laughs> uh, but now do you know what whilst we're on this side I'm going to be a bit more cheerful now the thing about Christmas is like obviously a lot of it is inherently linked to family so to say like you had that with like you know a small family member that, that moment is yeah I could totally empathise with that funny enough one of my favourite Christmas movies is Die Hard and uh, last last Christmas um, I actually this was obviously during lockdown as well me and my missus actually went to a drive through a drive-in cinema now even though everything was locked down because you're in your car it was totally acceptable and we actually went to saw uh yeah die hard in this drive-in cinema over christmas and ate hot dogs in the car and to me that was a little special moment not even because it was like uh you know die hard but just because it was a, a christmas festive thing so all that being said Tom, are you going to have the heart to rank the grinch low on the scale even after you've heard the you know the, the sentiment behind it are you gonna what are you gonna rank it i've never seen it that's the thing. So I don't know how. Bear, bear in mind, we've it. now got to go opposite on the scale because technically, if you said ten, that means it's horrendous. If, if 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 I'm being honest with you, one of the things that truly annoys me about the Grinch, and it's going to so, sound so shallow, is I actually know someone in real life that looks exactly like the Grinch. Jim Carrey's the Grinch character. Well, yeah, but like that's when not they like to talk about Bill, is it, Tom? <laughs> no, it's not. Shots fired. God, right, I'm gone. I'm out of there. All right, there you go, Bill. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to be. I'll be a neutral party. I'll say five. I'll say five. Five. Oh, I'll say five. Just simply because I've not seen it, but I get annoyed when I see this person that looks exactly like Jim Carrey's The Grinch. 
I've not actually seen the new, the new ones with um. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? Is he the one who does the voice for? The, yeah, he the, is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've not seen. I've seen the old one with uh, Jim Carrey. I've not seen the new one. But uh, based on just the old one, I think it's it's low down on the uh, the shit we scale. It's probably gonna be about a, a two for me because I quite enjoy it. It's good, good fun. I um, said I have to watch the new. I have to watch the new one now. I didn't know sure. like, we made it until now. <laughs> yeah, it's a cartoon, isn't it? Cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad to see Benedict still getting work <laughs> in this <laughs> current climate. It's just a voiceover, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, give, I'll give that a two. And then in terms of um, in terms of the Muppets Christmas Cast is zero for me because that's oh, oh, nowhere near on. Yeah. on the shit house that, we scale. Yeah. That's a that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, that is just a classic. Joe, I've got a Christmas memory about that as well. Funny enough. Oh, a couple of years ago, my uh, my this was maybe like shit. It must have been about 2011. This is when I first started working with you, Bill. And uh, my big high def TV broke down over Christmas. Absolutely gutted because it meant I couldn't play my Xbox on it. And all the things I got for Christmas, I could do fuck all with this TV. So I actually pulled out my old TV that I'd had since the late 90s and it was like a those big massive square box TVs with a, but it had a VHS built into it which in the 90s was seen a shit out at the time like really high tech and uh, the only thing we had available to watch over that Christmas was an old VHS of uh, Muppet Christmas Carol so yeah special memories there as well So, Luke, we'll move on to a more serious part now. Uh, as always, famous last words. We'll see how we get on. But uh, if my <laughs> if my research proved me right, you've been in this industry space a pretty long time, I'd say, gaining your first qualification, I correct me if I'm wrong, in 1994, which is before I was even born, which is uh, makes you sound even more incredible. All right, there's no need for that. <laughs> well, no, don't worry. Tom, Tom was about 50 back then, so do the maths. He's getting on a bit. 94 <laughs> was a good year for movies, actually. <laughs> was it? Pulp Fiction... Other ones? <laughs> Just one film then. <laughs> Just one film. <laughs> yeah, been been in it a long time. So my first first two teaching qualifications, one was uh, a swimming qualification, which doesn't even exist any longer. Uh, and another one called the Community Sports Leaders Awards. So I did those while I was in uh, in sick form at school. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's been a, been a good time. So before we move on quick, I just want to ask a question. So... Talking about experience, something me and Tom have discussed in the past in the podcast is that we know having you know tons of experience can be a huge benefit. You know, it can add a lot to you know your, your service that you provide. But what we want to know is what are your thoughts on it also being a negative in you know that whole saying of stuck in your old ways. It's something we've seen a lot in the industry as a whole is that people have been a long time sometimes do go a bit off the rails uh, and become quite bad in a way. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, in some ways it can be a negative in that um, you've been doing things a particular way for such a long period of time to come out of stuff becomes quite difficult. Um, there's definitely um, an element of laziness that comes in as you get older. Um, I certainly noticed it myself in I've gone from teaching super high impact uh, hit training classes and reducing the intensity that I now teach. But then I'm now teaching much older people that haven't got that kind of intensity as well. Um, and you've become, uh, it, it's easy to sit back and just do what you've always done because it's easy and it doesn't take a lot of effort. Um, another thing that I found, certainly for me, that's been quite difficult on the therapy side. So being a sports massage therapist is, 
it takes a while to get your head round new information that comes in. Um, so as I'm, uh, I'm signed up to um, a, a number of different uh, organisations that review peer review uh, lots of scientific papers. So you're always seeing what what the latest is coming in, um, and I've certainly learned that it it seems to take me. Quite a while to really figure out what's being said on these new scientific papers when you've been taught one particular way for such a long period of time. Um, and, and scientific advancement, certainly as we've seen like in COVID, moves very quickly at the moment. There's, there's quite a lot that's coming through. There's a lot of new ideas that, that are happening. Um, and certainly as you go through from your level twos to your level threes to your level fours, um, the amount of information you're given is, is what you can cope with at that level. So um, um, I think you guys probably did a slightly different sort of training when you were in the army compared to what we do outside here with a certainly exercise to music and uh, a gym instructor at level two. The information you get there then changes when you get to level three. And of course, those uh, a lot of those have all been uh, overhauled recently. So the, the exercise to music that I did back in the, the last century <laughs> is, is, has just had a massive overhaul in um, it was exercise to music. And now it's, as I understand it, is now group exercise, which encompasses your boot camps, your HIIT training, your CrossFits, all of those sort of things, which wasn't available when, when I first did that, that sort of training. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've certainly learned that it, it takes me a long time to undo everything that I learned back in the last century and go, well, why, why are we now doing it this way? What, what is there? Um, I do a lot of work now with, uh, with back pain management. So I've got a level four in uh, strategies for, for dealing with low back pain management. And, and that seems to be changing constantly in what we're looking at, um, in, in what's going on there. And it does take a long time to digest that information and then put it in, into place. Um, yeah, so I think maybe, maybe for people that have been like me a bit long in the tooth, been doing it for a while, um, it's hard to take that stuff on and undo what we've learned. Whereas when you're fresh into the industry, you've just got the latest information. Um, I think that's where it can become a bit of a problem is it's I've always done it this way and this is what I was taught and it's being reinforced for so many years. And then all of a sudden, someone's like, well, actually, no, you know, maybe maybe posture isn't as important as we think it is um, in, in prevalence, certainly for me, for back pain management. Yeah. Um, we're now looking at actually is is poor posture really a bad thing or is it not is it actually we need to move more and is it we need to be strong enough to to deal with the posture that we're holding uh which i'm sure you see tom's kind of face these lighting up look, look at tom's yeah. face he's so excited right no, now that's, look at him. that's refreshing yeah. to hear that's yeah. good yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> usually we when we when we talk to people we hear the complete opposite Obviously, where me and Bill are kind of like getting more into like the pain science aspect of uh, things like back pain, etc. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good to hear. It's just refreshing. Yeah. I think you touched it quite well, uh, Luke, in the fact that you said laziness. And I think that's the big one is that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are inherently lazy. And when you, what you're saying is when this new stuff comes out, it takes quite a conscious effort to actually absorb yourself into it and make a conscious decision to apply yourself to it and obviously then make changes. Well, the easy thing to do is just double down on what you already thought be lazy and just hope that nobody notices and yeah, just keep going for it. And there's a lot of people out there who are doing that, but I think that's what takes a good trainer as someone who can, you know, 
understand it and then develop, move forward. And yeah, they're, they're the sort of guys that are mean top, mean top like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think also we have to remember that when this new research comes through, is that scientists have spent a lot of time on that research with lots and lots of different people. So you, you kind of have to go, actually, you know what? I'm, I am just a fitness instructor. This is the level that I'm at. And we're dealing with people that have PhDs, you know, MAs, um, and are much more qualifications and have spent a long time doing that research. Um, yeah, the, the, what I know or what I think I know actually can, can be adjusted. And then when you actually put that into practice... Or, or, or the other thing is to then go, well, what I do know and what I know works, how does that fit within that theory? So we've all had our clients that we've trained and we've gone, yeah, I've tried this with them. This works like nine times out of 10. Uh, I get good results out of this. Um, is sometimes to go, well, because from experience, I know that this works. So if it does work, then how does that fit in with the new technology or the new uh, scientific research that's coming out? Um, rather than, uh, no, I, I don't like it, it's not right, which is, I think is everybody's initial reaction. Yeah. And certainly when you've been in, in for a long time, is to go, no, this is no good. Or, or certainly e even to a point where someone goes, yeah, you know, what you're doing is really good, but actually if you did this, it would be even better. Um, and none of us like being critiqued. Sure. And I always say to my best mate who uh, in the industry we've been, uh, she's snuck in my classes when she was 15. She's 10 years younger than me and likes to remind me of that every every year. Um, and being critiqued by someone that I watch grow up in the industry um, is, is quite a hard thing to, to take. And I, I always say that I... I have the right to throw my toys out of the pram <laughs> for, for a good 24 <laughs> hours while I, uh, while I digest and actually go, you know what, you know, these, these people are either coming with, with the best will and intention because they want to see you improve. And it's the same when it comes with, with the scientific research that's coming through. It's being published so that we can all do a better job. And it just means that we, we've got to take some of that, um, and yeah, and take the time, you know, throw your toys out of the pram, go, no, I don't agree with that. This is absolutely rubbish. And then start to work through why you don't agree with it. And that might bring you around to where you actually are and, yeah. and, and where you fit with it. I mean, something you said there, I quite liked, and that was that you said that like you could, the keyword was adjusted. So you say like you can always adjust like kind of what you know, et cetera. And I really like that because it's kind of like, me and Bill have discussed in the past is that when people do get conflicting evidence of what they've heard or what they've currently been taught before, it's like you it doesn't mean you've got to necessarily stop and and completely change everything in your belief for your thought process. It just means that maybe you can just kind of like refine your opinion on something a little bit more. You ain't got to completely have a 180 change in your belief system, but just simply refine it a little bit more. So yeah, I really like that. That was a that was a nice little comment. I like that. Yeah, I, I really like that. So basically, what you're trying to tell me is that Karen on Facebook needs to wind her neck in. Is what you said. Is what you said. Needs to wind her neck in. Stop piping off of Facebook. Tell everyone they're wrong. Tell the scientists they all need to, you know, quit or something. There's always a Karen on Facebook. Yeah, and I think it's about being open. Like certainly, I know where I've signed into um, getting uh, subscriptions to different things from like physios. I, I've overstepped my reach or my knowledge, um, and it, it's been a conscious decision to do that and to go as far 
beyond where where I physically and mentally am at the moment in my understanding of things. And sometimes reading some of these scientific research means that you've then got to go and research a couple of words that are in there that you've never come across, (laughs) which then opens up more stuff. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate that I I train a number of doctors um, and it comes in really handy to to kind of run through some of the stuff and sort of go, I have no idea what this thing is here. You know, uh, can you, you know, do you know what it is or, or yeah. And even if, and just because they're doctors, they're not in the same area that I work in, which is why they're working with me. Um, that they can go, I, I don't know about that right now, but I'll see what I can find out for you. So uh, I, I'm incredibly aware of how fortunate I am to have that kind of resources um, but one of the things that I think you hear quite often is uh, certainly from business perspectives is you want to surround yourself with people that are at a higher level than you. Hmm. So you always want to be almost uh, like the second dumbest person in the room so that you're then learning. You don't want to be the dumbest person in the room, never. But um, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you want to be surrounded by people that definitely know more than you and make you want to learn more. We'll move on. But I say move on. We'll kind of rewind in at the start. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the beginning, Luke. We're going to take it right day. Well, not day one, not that not that far back, but uh, we'll go back to the start of your journey. So it's pretty clear into the beginning. Once again, this is just all for my research, Luke. I've got I've gone deep on you, mate. I've, you know, I know where you live at this point, but I, I don't. I don't actually know where you live. I think you've gone into a bit worrying, yeah. mate. <laughs> uh, but it was pretty clear that early on you were into you know physical activity. I saw things like you think horse riding, swimming, gymnastics all came up. Uh, but the big one that stood out to me really clearly was your love of dance so i mean from a fitness point of view dancing isn't very easy i've spent many a time i'm sure tom has as well on the dance floor a couple of minutes in you're a sweating mess you need to take a sit down and that's be done for the night with me with a beer in a hand uh, and i need to take a rest talk talks for that journey of dance how you kind of got into it and then how it's kind of taken hold and shaped your your career almost i'd say yeah so um I, i'm that that magpie that gets distracted by shiny things and as a <laughs> as a young age it was gymnastics horse riding jump from judo one to the other to the other and, and probably i did not i remember but my parents should probably say i only did them for a couple of months before i moved on to the next one hmm. but once i got into dance um one thing I like is is being good at something, and I was good at it. So, uh, yeah. and I was the only guy, which meant I got even. You know, I, I like a little bit of attention every now and then, as, <laughs> as you'll probably figure out. Yeah, so being the only guy and being good at it meant I was getting good attention and good good feedback, which you know is good for for the ego, which is what we we all particularly like. And <laughs> um, there's nothing like a good ego massage uh, as we go through life. But yeah, so that, because it, it worked well for me, then I just kind of stuck with it. I, I did loads of other sports, you know, uh, hockey. I was a qualified hockey umpire and did things like that as well. But because it did work well, I I did a GCSE in it. I got a grade A at A level. Um, I trained at the uh, as a, a youth at the place in London, which is one of the two top um, uh, big dance schools in London for contemporary dance. So that was my main kind of focus. Um, I went on to do or to start a degree in uh, a BA honours in dance and fine art, uh, Roehampton Institute, which is part of the University of Surrey, or it was back then. Um, I had never finished that because uh, after a year and a half or a bit longer, uh, I ended up running off to Ibiza and becoming a podium dancer out there for for a couple of years uh, oh, wow. and having a good time doing that. Uh, 
and then came into uh, what was back then exercise to music. So because I've been a dancer, music is really easy to understand how it works. Um, so it, it made teaching aerobics very, very easy to me. It's second nature. The, the side of it is great. Um, then uh, I got into Les Mills program. So you've probably mm. heard of those, your body pumps, your body combats. Yeah. Um, and they brought out here in the UK something called Body Jam, which is a most awesome dance-based fitness program that has ever been created. <laughs> um, and, and I'll defend that. I don't teach it any longer. Um, but I was the first person in the UK to pass that training course. Um, and I passed it with the distinction and then went on to, uh, back when they had distinctions, uh, I then went on to assess that for, for Les Mills and for FitPro. For 15 years, I was assessing Body Jam. Oh, wow. um, and it is an amazing program. The guy uh, at the time, Ruthie Peary, who was, uh, she was a, an international aerobics champion, which we don't really see those things so much anymore with, you know, back in the 80s, everyone was running around in their unitards and their leg warmers <laughs> and doing competitions. Tom still and does. Metric press-ups and splits and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. It kind of changed a little bit since then mm. somewhat. Um, yeah, she, she created it. She was awesome. And then it got followed on by a guy called Gandalf Archer, who is probably the wow. coolest I'm about to say that man. name itself, the name Gandalf. Uh, yeah, I, I saw Bill's I eyes light up then. Oh, Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not his real name. That's his stage name. But yeah, Gandalf oh. Archer, he, he actually is the coolest man on the planet. If you ever get a chance to meet him, he knows his stuff on the fitness side. He's been an amazing choreographer. Um, he um, married into the Les Mills family as well, so he married Diana Mills. Um, oh, yeah. But he, he created uh, an amazing program, which is highly, highly um, aerobic. Um, in fact, the, the Body Jam, I think they tested the calorie burning on it, and it was coming in around 800 plus. Uh, so look, you spoke about Les Mills there. What I want to know is, what came first, Les Mills or Britain's Got Talent? Because I've seen some stuff about BGT and I think we need to go into this. We need to go into your 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 claim to fame. <laughs> Les Mills came first. Yeah, okay. Britain's Got Talent. Okay. What do you know about me and Britain's Got Talent? There's there's a question. So I, I'm i not sure if you were part of the group because I saw that you were the chore choreographer. I saw that. I saw that statement. But I wasn't sure if you're actually part of the group or not. Okay, so uh, yeah, so there's there's a big story behind Britain's Got Talent, which oh well, I'd, I'd, sounds scandalous. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is completely, oh, well. completely. Um, yeah, so <laughs> right, so I generally try and keep the two a little bit separate uh, uh, from my fitness industry and this, and you've just kind of grabbed it and chucked it together. So let's let's uh, let's give you the shocking info. Two lots of shocking information. Oh. So the first one is uh, Britain's Got Talent. I, as you said, I choreographed a group called the Kit Kat Dolls, hmm. which were a group of um, trans and drag queens that performed. So it was back in the first series, and yes, I was one of those drag queens that was oh. performing. So now you can go and search that and and find out. Wow. Sorry to do this, Luke, but 14 years ago, it just popped up on YouTube. Was it? <laughs> yeah. 
I watched. I did watch the video actually. I, I, I was trying to find you. I was like, is he in? Is he one of those? Because obviously, it's very difficult to tell, isn't it? When you are. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So um, I will be the blonde with a very short mini skirt on and a little bra top. So that would be me that you'll see on there. The one that Simon Cowell got all excited about. Uh, yes, that's the one. See his face there for Cowell. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm the one that uh, Ant and Dex was checking out my ass as I walked through. Obviously. <laughs> Um, Love it. Yeah, so we we uh, we got all the way through to the live semi-finals, which were on a Saturday night. But you'll never find that live semi-final because we all ended up on the front cover of the News of the World in a sex scandal on the Sunday morning. So, yeah, there you go. Look, now you're like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, here's the fun bit. I'd like to say I didn't have a circle around my face on the photo at the front, so it wasn't me. Um, But, yeah, so what happened was uh, three of the girls were hookers. One of them managed to get booked by a News of the World reporter. And because we were staying in the hotel that ITV paid for, one hour before it went live, we all got pulled from from the whole thing. So there you go. Wow. There's there's a bit more information than you were. I'll tell you what. That, that's blew my mind that because I was actually really curious because I, I was looking. I was I need to find out, see the videos. So I found the first video. Obviously, when you did the audition, you know, it went really well. Obviously, you got through. And then I was like, why is there no more videos? Why is there no more clips from this? Obviously, that's the reason because you got yeah. pulled. News of the World, uh, yeah, crafty little buggers. That's one of my claims to fame, a, a front cover of the News of the World in a sex scandal. There's a, there's no new pop stars that will ever get that nowadays. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's... I mean, the only question for me is, one, well, two questions. One, are you still in contact with the other three? And two, <laughs> how do I get hold of them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 two of them, I, unfortunately, one of them is is no longer with us. They they uh, lost a fight with cancer uh, a couple of years back. Um, yeah, so they're they're not around. But uh, the other two, yeah, definitely. And yes, I can pass you on. But they're uh, they're not. I cheap. mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> yeah, not in not in this economic climate anyway. <laughs> Can't afford it. Not if I want to go on holiday next year. Definitely. But no, I mean, uh, the thing is, like, with with BGT in a, I keep going to say GVT. That's the personal trainer in me. In regards to BGT, like, I've I've heard like some dodgy things in general about it. Bit of rigging, bit of bit rigging. Of rigging. Uh, I, I don't know. Certainly, I, I was on the first ever series, so yeah, I can't say that there was any rigging that was going on there. Um, they they're looking at making money out of mm, what yeah. they were doing. Um, I had a contract with Simon Cow and with Sony. We were signed into that before it ever went live. Um, and then we were held to that contract because for, for six months, you're not allowed to do anything uh, unless Simon Cow chooses for you to do it. So he's invested in, in you being on, on the program. Um, and then he can also hold it back so that you can't actually do anything either. Did they at least have like a really good buffet spread backstage? <laughs> uh, do you know what? No, it was rubbish. Absolutely oh, really? rubbish. Absolute piss tape. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Oh. <laughs> but he's got a though, but still though. Yeah, definitely not as good as you think it is. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, I did expect that. Yeah. I thought I'd bring out the Britain's Got Talent segment. I thought he was going to tell us how yeah, yeah, you enjoyed the dancing, you enjoyed, you know, 
Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I know, Phil, <laughs> which is why I asked, how much did you know about it? I knew it was going to be a bit of a shock. Not, not much. <laughs> I just knew a YouTube video. That's all I need, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Don't worry, I won't keep you long, but what a perfect opportunity as you're balls deep into this episode to tell you about our brand new Patreon, where you can get even more great content from us and support the running of the podcast at the same time. So if you head over to patreon.com slash podcast, or you can see the link down in the show notes, you'll see we currently offer three tiers. The first tier, starting at the price of a cup of coffee, but what you get with that is access to monthly Q&As, access to live podcasts, access to our Patreon feed with behind-the-scenes access and you also get to join our private discord server wow we right so hopefully we'll see you over at patreon.com slash csgf podcast very soon right then let's get back into this week's episode what next because i'm aware you got your actual personal trainer in 2009 so it was that because obviously i know dance is very physical in itself but you obviously by the sounds of it, you're doing a lot of group stuff a lot of performance stuff as opposed to a training sense yeah, so uh, it, it's definitely my forte doing the group stuff. I, I like being up in front of other people. Um, for me, so because uh, I was a, a Les Mills assessor, I was working with or for their agency, which is FitPro here in the UK uh, at the time. And in order to bring ourselves up level with the MVQ system, I had to do my assessor training. So I've got a level three uh, assessor qualification for uh, assessing in the, the leisure industry. We work with our sister company then, which was Drummond Education, which are an amazing education company if you ever get to train with them. Um, and one of the cool things about it that I realized was um, whatever I'm qualified in then allows me to assess what I'm qualified in because of the assessor qualification. So that oh, wow. then sent me off on a new new route. So thinking, yeah, I, I know a way I can make a bit more money for myself without actually running around, back to laziness. Um, I then trained uh, as a gym instructor and then went on to train as personal training. And I think this is where, uh, as we were talking about earlier, people that get lazy uh, don't necessarily progress their knowledge, whereas I found uh, an excitement for learning new knowledge. So once I started to do the gym side, coming from, from a dance background and a gymnastics background, um, the gym was completely alien to me. And, and so much so that when I did my, my first uh, walk around a gym and trying to teach and, and I got on a tricep dip machine and hadn't changed the amount of weight on it and it was expecting the assisted dip to drop down uh, it didn't and I was just <laughs> on the top like uh, so uh, being five foot three and back then when probably seven and a half stone it didn't move for me at all and had to jump off and was like yeah so you have to drop the weight down a bit to make this work it, it was great for, for new knowledge and, and understanding. So I started with um, the, the gym instructor, then realized actually there's, there was a lot more knowledge out there than I'd already got, uh, which then led on to personal training. It, it, my, my knowledge um, growth has, has not necessarily been from getting the qualifications. It's because there's gaps in my knowledge that I've, I've discovered as I've been training. Um, which has led from one thing to another. Um, so as I started to learn more about that sort of side of things, um, it, it then became 
that I wanted to know more in, in, in other parts of the fitness industry, which then increased as I, uh, as I got my own, my own studio, then, mm. then everything changed. So what, what, so that space, cause 2014 was when Club K, you know, officially born, so to put it. So between 2009 and 2014, were you just working in commercial gyms or was it just the assessment uh, stuff carrying on with? Uh, yeah, so I was assessing for FitPro and then we, we went over to Les Mills. Les Mills took it away from the agency and took hold of it themselves and created their own hub in the UK. Um, I was working for what was LA Fitness as group fitness manager um, and I was fitness manager, deputy club manager for a bit um, on that side. Um, so yeah, kind of just freelancing for a bit until I got made redundant um, from LA Fitness. They decided that they wanted more work from us, but weren't going to give us any more money as, as group fitness managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which then had them lose all their group fitness managers. We all took <laughs> redundancy because uh, thankfully they'd put us on a PAYE uh, a very long time before, so we all got a lovely payout when when it happened, um, and we went from uh, my particular club went from being third, ranked third in the entire company in the country, down to eighty fifth or something in the first wow. month, which was like, yes, I was awesome at my job, and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, so it was just kind of freelancing around. And I'd actually got to a point with the fitness industry that I wasn't sure if I was going to continue staying in the fitness industry. Oh, wow. Um, I got to a point where there, being a Group X instructor, wages haven't increased particularly. Um, I wasn't particularly doing the personal training. I'd got the qualification, but wasn't really that interested in personal training at the time. So I was looking out at alternative avenues, which would have been going down a, a therapy route, as in um, mental therapy, because uh, you do that often enough with your clients anyway. So it seemed to make sense to to then kind of look down that route. Um, but at the same time, I'd been looking for venues um, that I could put my money where my mouth was and go, you know what, I can do this better than, than any of the other gyms. Um, and then this gym uh, or this, this place came up. So I, I then took that on in, in 2014. And then that's when I started to learn. A lot. Started, yeah. Because <laughs> from what I can see, you've got quite a lot of extra qualifications uh, in terms of like such referral, uh, obviously the sports massage that you've mentioned already. Are they things you did straight away when you opened the club? Are they stuff you got before the club? Or is it the moment you opened the club, you thought, actually, let's really um, take it no, another so level? The, the, the qualifications, like, like I said earlier, they came from a gap in knowledge. So when I, I was heavily into Les Mills at the time, um, I wanted to have a Les Mills studio. That was what I was doing. That was what I thought would happen. Um, Les Mills costs a lot of money. You have to pay license fees to uh, a monthly license fee to host it in your venue. You're then having to pay PPL license fees for music, PRS for music. So so the, the accumulative effect is, is huge um, when you did that. Um, so I then realized that actually I, I've got the qualifications and the knowledge to do my own stuff. And what really happens is the people that do Les Mills are already in large commercial gyms. They weren't going to come to me in the community. And the people that did turn up for me were uh, older clientele that are more retired, people that are petrified of walking into a gym 
because they've got this pre-existing idea of what a gym is, whereas somewhere in the community that didn't look like a gym was easier to get people in. So what I actually ended up with is the retired population and a population with comorbidities or different medical conditions that came in. So that then took me down that route because I didn't have the knowledge. I had some knowledge, but not enough in what I was doing. I started with Pilates. That was a big draw of people coming in. Then that brought in loads of people with medical conditions. Um, So then I went and did GP referral. From there, I did my level four in uh, diabetes, obesity, and metabolic syndrome, thinking I'm running a business. You know what I need? Lots of fat people. There's loads of fat people out there. I can can help them get fit. They'll come through. And what I actually discovered is most fat people are quite happy being fat and eating KFC um, (laughs) until something changes in their life that makes them want to change from that. Then realized that actually I get more people coming for uh, back pain. People will pay and, and do something about pain when it's been there for long enough. Um, so then I did the, uh, the low back pain level four training. When I finished that, I just felt that I didn't, although I had passed with a really high, kind of high pass mark and uh, on paper, it looked like I understood what was going on and I had the knowledge. Personally, I, I don't know whether it's, I, I suffer like most people in the fitness industry at some point or another of imposter syndrome. Mm, yeah, well, we struggle that a lot, yeah. You, mm. you start to become aware of the knowledge that you don't have. Um, And when you get to that point, you then start to go, am I good enough? Do I know what I'm doing? And that's the moment that you start to to look for more more knowledge. Um, And it wasn't enough for me. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't feel comfortable knowing what I was doing. So I then went on a Pilates therapy course with with Drummond Education and they just created this course. And it was the first one they did. And I was like, that is exactly what I need. Jumped on it. Um, and got introduced to uh, self-myofascial release, looking at lots of other different medical conditions. Um, and what I quickly learned was working with people that a foam roller is great, but it doesn't work as fast as sports massage does, which then led me over to sports massage. Once you've done your level three, you realize that that's only a basic level. You want the next level up before you can actually deal with injuries um, and everything else that, that comes through with there. So it, it had a natural progression of moving from this is what I was seeing in my business. Uh, sp- speaking of Club K then, so I've, I've obviously been there uh, as, a, as a massage client of yours uh, and I've, I've seen the space. Kind of what I want to know is, is what have the biggest challenges been since you've opened that gym back in a 20 or club, whatever you want to call it, back in 2014? Uh, and sort of what have you loved most? So if you start with challenges then, because that's obviously, we'll start with downer, I suppose. Uh, I think money is the biggest one, getting the money in in, in the first place. Um, uh, advertising and finding that niche market um, is pretty difficult. Yeah, niche niche market is the hardest bit, I think, is, is figuring out what was right for me Um to to kind of advertise towards and learning advertisement and and things like that became quite quite difficult to understand um you want to do everything 
when I think you first start a business because you think that uh, if I've got a touch here and something there and something else there, then I'm bringing in a larger amount of people. But I think the more you specialize on one one thing and become an expert at what you do, um, then that starts to bring bring people in. I think that's just a good point and good advice for any sort of uh, person in this industry is that finding, obviously finding a niche and becoming a business person because as you said, things like the advertising and you know, all the other streams of running a business, you don't really realise it until you start it. And as you've said, yeah, you've got into it so. and that, that could be very difficult. But by the sounds of it, obviously it's gone really well because you've found your niche, you found your client, your clientele and yeah, it's obviously going well, well from that point of view. What would you say then, I suppose this is probably the same, I can kind of guess what your answer is going to be here, but what would you say have been the things you've loved the most about running running the club? I think it's building a community and um, and and seeing the ripple effect of the work that you do. So rather than, it, it's not just the impact that you have on one person that you're training. Um, for me, working with back pain, um, one of the greatest ripple effects for me was uh, there's one guy that I worked with quite early on. Um, I have been training his mother-in-law. I've trained him because it was so successful what we did. But one, one of the amazing things was um, he'd suffered from back pain for such a long period of time and we managed to get him out of the pain that, that he was in. And it was simple things like having now trained his wife, his wife said, I can actually cuddle up with him on the sofa so I'm I'm getting the affection that she was missing out on because he couldn't sit on the sofa for too long because it was uncomfortable but the probably the biggest one that hit me was I saw them just after they got back off holiday the whole family and his five-year-old little boy was was telling me about how awesome his holiday was because he had been in the swimming pool with his dad and on his dad's shoulders and his dad was flipping him around in the pool and as much as it's great that I got his dad out of pain and then we trained him up for a, for a 10k run it was seeing how that affected the rest of the family that you then go you know what actually I've I've done something worthwhile with the knowledge and and the training that that I've done there as you said that ripple effect so yeah Tom kind of mentioned the ripple effect there and I think that's especially important especially to your clientele Luke and I think is that something you're probably going to stick to that client base you've got now simply because of how much you enjoy that seeing that transformation because obviously people are coming to you a lot of the time I'm going to make an assumption people have you said maybe suffering from things like pain and being able to deal with that as we spoke about how complicated pain is being able to see them on the other side even going on a holiday and being able to get into the pool is, I can imagine is quite a obviously it's good for them but for yourself and we spoke we spoke about ego as, and obviously in a joking way but for yourself that's obviously it must be a massive thing that keeps you going every day and is it something you're probably going to stick to now do you think for the rest of uh yeah definitely uh, uh the future is when kind of covid settles down will be to move on to the next level which is a level five in sports therapy or sports massage therapy more than likely in because uh, it kind of splits there you can do sports therapy or sports massage therapy um I'm probably going to go towards sports massage therapy. I like the idea of um, taping, although I've done some like set-aside courses on that. Uh, I like the idea of acupuncture and things like that to help people um, out of pain. But I do, 
I, I certainly enjoy the the detective story that goes behind pain. So when you meet someone who's got pain and trying to find out where it's coming from, um, you you can have two people that present with with something that looks exactly the same, but it's coming from two different places. It it keeps you on your toes and makes things more interesting. Yeah, I get you. It's, yeah, certainly. It's, it's, yeah, detective work's put it lightly. I think it's one of the most complicated things out there. I'd say. Uh, people still somehow try and make it as simple as it is, but it's never that simple, as you said. Two people, the exact same thing, but, you know, the source of that pain. Very complex and multifactorial. So we kind of already touched on there, the next point, which is going to be the future. Is that kind of the only place you see it, or is there, is there any more I- expansion? Are we going to see Club K's up and down the country franchise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, I, I would say Club K does need to expand. It's, it's coming, so next year... I'm looking at take it up until now. It's only been me, which has worked really well for me. Certainly when the pandemic came in that I didn't have to worry about paying anybody else um, or things like that. Um, one of the hardest things is taking the jump to employ people or, and it's, you're then responsible for their welfare as well as, as your own to make sure that there's enough money coming in to pay you, to pay them, to pay the rent, to pay everything else. Um, and it's been the biggest, hardest step that I've got to take yet. Um, uh, and I know it's coming. Um, and I found um, the person that I want to work with that I'm going out for lunch with on Thursday to discuss uh, a plan with them on where we're going to go. Yeah, what I have learned is there is a reason that commercial gyms are the size they are. Um, to come into a small gym like I've got, to make it financially viable, you've either got to specialise, but there is definitely a need for uh, a larger area with the equipment that comes in a personal gym, uh, in a commercial gym. Um, I, I know that at some point I am going to have to expand. I need a bigger area. I need the commercial equipment that you have in a gym to draw the people in to be able to take the next step that, that you, as much as I want to continue down the uh, the medical kind of route and the pain route, you still need to have that commercial side to bring in the money to be able to go and do that, that other side. And, and the big gyms do what they do because it, it works as much as, uh, you know, I put my money where my mouth was and I wanted to create something different. I, I wholly now, seven and a half years later, understand why gyms have gym equipment that people can come in and just use um, as expensive as a swimming pool and a jacuzzi and all of that, that nice stuff is I do get why why gyms have that that is a big draw in for for people and i know that at some point i've got to take that next level then yeah then you might be looking at me having a multinational <laughs> company that that will come through yeah yeah you know olympic size <laughs> pool or it, uh, it's it's definitely something that i'm i'm becoming more aware of certainly the the pt room that i have now the plan had always been to turn it into uh, a small rehab type gym that people could come in and use since covid that isn't actually viable right now as as a business prospect um 
it's something that I've got to wait on a bit longer. But I think I would prefer to have a larger venue mm. and have more equipment than, than what I can have here um, and then get that commercial aspect to it. It's it, it's nice to to have this this awesome idea of of just doing the the pain stuff and the the GP referral side, but actually when we look at when I've looked into doing GP referral to get GPs to refer to you, the NHS doesn't pay for things like that. That is paid for by the other gym members that are using the the facilities which to me is kind of like a crazy thing. I've always thought that leisure centers and GPs should be connected because we now know that the more we get people moving, Mm. the better their health is, the better the mental health is. Um, But there's a block there somewhere that's that's not coming through, uh, which is a a whole different podcast (laughs) for you guys if I get into that side. We'll we'll be here all night. We'll be here all night, Luke. (laughs) The thing is, with exercise in general, it is probably one of the most under-prescribed, you know, (laughs) treatments there is for most things. And uh, I want to say for a lot, I don't want to say for most people, but for a lot of people, it's accessible. It can be more affordable as well. Obviously, there are some barriers in the way, but uh, yeah, 100%. I think uh, if we look at like the people now know who the World Health Organization is. They didn't know who that was before we started to to have the pandemic. And I think this is an opportunity for, um, for people like us that are in this industry to now start pushing the World Health Organization's guidelines of 150 minutes of exercise a week, which can be broken down into 10 minute blocks. And you know, when we start to look at that and go, well, look, you know what, it's only 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And actually, you don't need to go into a gym to do it. You know, they're, all, all they're saying from the WHO is you need to do uh, something that is, is kind of pushing your heart rate and getting you out of breath, you know, whether it's cleaning the bathroom, going for a walk, you know, doing a bit of gardening. I think we have a responsibility as fitness professionals to actually go, you don't need a gym. We can do it this way. Yes, if you've got the money and you you have the the will to do it, then we are here to help you. And and we can use equipment and we can grab a TRX or we can grab a rebounder or, or you know, a, a big stack of weights or, or whatever it is that you might be that you want to uh, adhere to your goal. But I do think we, we have an obligation to sort of start pushing that and going, now you know who the WHO is, we can start to work on on that side and start to go, you know, these are the guidelines. We know that this is just 150 minutes a week is maintaining health. Uh, it doesn't do much else. If you want to lose weight, you've got to double it. But it's it's somewhere that um, I think we, we've missed out with uh, maybe new new instructors coming through that I didn't learn this stuff until I was doing GP referral and had to start dealing with the World Health Organization and NICE and, and the other organizations that we, we have to look at. And, and maybe it's something that uh, we, we can start to push as a, a health advantage. Obviously, we'll talk about what we can do as an industry, but I think another issue is people normally wait till it's too late. A lot of the cases, I mean, you probably know this from your, what the stuff you deal with as well, that people will come to you when it's too late, when a lot of this could have been mitigated way before if the groundwork was already built. And I think that's, that's I don't know if we need to just educate more from an earlier, earlier point. Um, yeah, I think 
I, I would say too late is is not a problem. It's it's just the part that they understood. I think it's much more complex than that, and I think it starts very early. Um, one of the things that I found quite interesting recently is the app TikTok and and seeing different things that come through on there. There's some amazing um, uh, people on there that do things um, that you can start to watch Cadaver, uh, which interests me with, with uh, sports therapy, um, where you're looking at muscles on cadavers mm. and actually see where they are and what they look like. But one of the other amazing things is with um, something like the, the stitch function on there, you'll see so many instructors or influencers probably rather than instructors, <laughs> which is something that we all kind of roll our eyes at a little bit. But people are able to respond to uh, to influencers and instructors like ourselves and actually turn around and go, and I saw one today and it was someone saying, you know, it's all well and good fat shaming and saying we've got to this point and this happened and do we need to get in earlier? And so, but this actually, for a lot of these people, when you start to listen to them, you realize that this started from a very, very, very young age. Um, and it's preschool that they're being introduced to poor eating not understanding uh, nutrition. And nutrition's difficult. Um, I've done loads of training in nutrition and it's not my favorite. You know, I will pass on nutrition faster than a Ferrari because I can't <laughs> be bothered to do the working out of how many calories are coming in, where it's coming in from. Um, and, and at the end of it all, I really think that nutrition comes down to, you know, eat as uh, as close to its natural source as possible rather than uh, anything else and have a wide variety of colors on your plate and, mm. and just don't eat too much. And I think sometimes we try and, and go too far and, you know, you've got the paleo diet and this diet and that diet should we be having carbohydrates. I think it, we, we sometimes try and make it, we're blowing smoke up our own ass to kind of go, you know what, I, I know this and I know that and this yeah. is amazing. But when you actually start to listen to people that are struggling with weight or, or anything else, it started a long time before we think it does. Um, and, and actually, they are not aware of when it started until they are aware of the problem. Mm. Um, the, and I think we need to address it, certainly in schools. You know, the, the one mile that they're doing at the, at the moment before school starts, um, we need to start bringing in uh, more training. But I work with teachers here as well. And there's, um, we're, we're learning that kids haven't got the strength in the first place in a junior or infant school to sit up straight in a chair because they haven't had enough physical exercise in the first place. So they hook their feet around the legs of the chair in order to use the support system from their feet to hold their own body up. Um, and, and it's where we, we need that education to come in to adults as well in order to get that all the way back to the beginning. And it's again where I say working alongside um, leisure centers to actually go, you know what, you, you, your kids just need to do some activity and we need to get them doing more activity. We can't say that the knowledge isn't out there because it is. I mean, one mm. of the, the amazing things about um, COVID and, and the pandemic is how that has opened up so much more. And mm. for me personally, I've, I now have from this club a streaming service set up, which is basically the same as Netflix. 
Uh, and you can go on and on there. There's currently, I think there's a 105 close coming up to 110 different classes oh, of wow. everything from HIIT through to relaxation and meditation. And one of the things that I've had to learn how to make that website and how to run it all and how to put in paywalls to yeah. make sure it's paid. Um, I looked at many different companies from Vimo all the way through to OnlyFans on how do you <laughs> get videos out. Um, and as much as we giggle about OnlyFans, there's a huge amount of uh, people yeah. using OnlyFans um, because it's a preset paywall and it's all there that all you've got to do is throw what you want. But it didn't work quite how I wanted it to work and, and to find ease of navigation for, for people to find what I wanted. But I'm not the only one who's done that. So I now teach 15 classes a week. Uh, any class that comes out from here at the club is streamed live on a private members group on Facebook. So my members now have access to every single class I teach 24-7. On top of that, I've then got another 100 classes that they can access 24-7 and, and do with them. So, um, and I think that we, we then find that as technology moves on, apps are going to be the future. We're looking at, uh, you know, we've gone through Web 1, Web 2. We're now coming up to Web 3, which is... Um, is going to be a future for you guys. Probably not so much for me um, in that the majority of my clients are older. So I actually do a lot of internet training with my clients and technology training on simple things like they're bringing their phones into me going, how do I, how do I turn this on and how do I do this? Um, um, but for the, the younger generation that are coming through and if you want to work with younger people, it's going to become an integral part. We, we only have to look at things like Peloton. Okay, guys, we'll move on to that final part of the show, which is our secret questions. So Luke has absolutely no idea what these questions are. Me and Tom don't even know what we're going to ask because, you know, when we send out the, the notes, we don't even put down what the questions are. We just, we just got to make them up pretty much. Uh, I'll start then. So you've already alluded to this, Luke, earlier on, kind of. So if people have been paying close attention, this won't be as much a shock to, to people listening. But I want to talk about your alter ego for a second, Luke. So by day... You are a personal trainer, masseuse extraordinaire, saving people from back pain, massaging people, making them feel great. But by night, you are Miss Cat Kitten, singer and dancer extraordinaire. I want to know, I want to know how, is, how that's come about. Is that just because you wanted to keep your dancing uh, and sort of stuff going along? Or? Uh, so it, <laughs> and I, I fell into it by mistake almost. Oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> I so I quit university. Um, I was dancing in a nightclub in London, uh, just having a good night out, and I met the guys from Car Wash, and they asked me to go and work for them podium dancing, which I was doing anyway. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm thinking about going to Ibiza this year. So they they uh, they were like, oh, we're going to be there. So why don't you dance for us there? So I flew out to Ibiza. Didn't get as much work as I thought I was going to get. Um, and I ended up uh, lodging and having the spare room of a, another drag queen because um, I didn't get as much work as I, I wanted. An opportunity came up with the group that they were doing. Uh, one of their guys left and they needed a replacement pretty quickly. Um, being skint, having no money, <laughs> uh, being a dancer. I was like, you know what? You teach me how to put on the makeup and I will, uh, I can lip sync any song and give me the costumes and, and I'll do it for you for a bit until you find someone else. 
Uh, and then it turned out I was pretty good at it. So um, I ended up doing two years. Um, and because I'm only short, so I'm only five foot three. So um, it, it adds to the illusion because I am small. And, and certainly back in, in my 20s, I was a lot slimmer than, than I am now. Um, yeah, it meant I could get away with, that was just at the time as Britney Spears was coming out. So I could get away with, with looking like Britney Spears in a schoolgirl outfit <laughs> and, and nobody better yeah. than I led. I could pull off the dance routines with the backflips and all of that at the time. Um, yeah, so it just turned out I was quite good at it. Then through the years, um, it turned out in London that nobody wanted uh, lip syncing anymore. So I had to learn to sing. Um, yeah, whether I can, I wouldn't say I'm a singer extraordinaire, entertainer maybe. Um, if my gig on Sunday night is anything to go by, my, my first Christmas gig of the year, someone said to me, well, you tackled uh, uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You pretty well. At which point I said, no, it was the last verse and the last chorus. And once I set everyone else off singing, the mic was pointed at them. And <laughs> yeah, they, like finished the, <laughs> they did the, the job. <laughs> yeah, it's learning what I can and can't do. But yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, how it how it happens and, and keeps going. But it's it's it used to be the main job. Um, fitness kind of took over. Uh, and now it's it's a bit of fun. It's it's a bit of performing and, and it pays for the holidays. Yeah. Brings no, it a joy. I'm hoping to see some videos on Instagram after the show, Luke. I want to see some of this. <laughs> some of this I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you have my Instagram handle and you can uh, go and check her out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, my, my secret question is kind of on the same line here, but a bit of a twist, and that is, would you ever consider combine the two of your things together, which is drag and fitness, or is there too much of a danger of... Uh, going over on your ankle with your wearing <laughs> Is that what you're thinking on top of danger of going over your ankles? Listen, from, speaking from military, how many times have you gone over on your bloody ankle, Bill? It happens to everyone at least once. I'm assuming it's the same thing like the drag community as well. Like ankle injuries must be <laughs> up there. No, we learn how to walk a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, in, in answer to that question, uh, already done it. Um, so, and, and in different types. So I, I did a competition called uh, Drag Idol, which is run uh, nationally. Uh, it used to be run every year. I came second in, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, quite a few years ago with the group. Um, well. So I tried something that's different and I created a character called Iris the Rainbow Goddess. And, uh, <laughs> that's cool, that's cool. And, and did a whole show around that. Um, I ended up doing a Halloween party for one of the big chains. Um, and currently, I've been working with a company called the Dance Party Experience. And that is run by F Florence and the Machines choreographer. Oh, wow. And oh, I've been yeah, okay. doing uh, RuPaul dance party hen parties. So I've been teaching dance routines in drag to a load of, of hens at a hen party. Oh, uh, Absolutely chaotic, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually just really, really good fun. I've done them online. I've done them at Dance Works up in London. Um, and it's just a good giggle because everyone's out for a good laugh and usually there's not too much alcohol involved unless it's online. So, uh, yeah, so in answer to your question, yeah, already been there, done that. <laughs> and uh, 
and got the leotard. That's my idea for my niche gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I can always give you a few minutes. It's, it's not a problem, Tom. Yeah, I feel like me and Bill need to kind of maybe consider getting into this whole uh, niche and uh, yeah, see what names Patreon we Patreon exclusive. Up. Patreon exclusive, there you go. <laughs> Might have to go only fans route, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, it sounds Perfect. awesome though. Have you got any more secret questions, Tom? No, that was my major burning one and I was quite pleased to hear it that yes, happening. it yeah. had been done. <laughs> certainly an interesting niche, I like it. I like it. I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there. I really appreciate you coming on, Luke. It's been a really good chat, a lot of fun. It's been interesting to hear your thoughts as well on a lot of this stuff because uh, and the, the kind of the way you've spoke about certain things, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of personal trainers out there, um, which I'm sure we've got plenty of listening, so he says. Uh, so I'm sure they'll take a lot of value from that as well as people who aren't personal trainers as well. I'm sure they'll, they'll enjoy the fun that you've brought to the podcast. Now, it's really good to hear that like, uh, you know, open-minded and you could be in this industry for a long time but still be willing to understand that sometimes, you know, learning is a continuous experience doesn't just end at the cert, you know. The search is the beginning, then it continues afterwards forever because science is a, a never shifting sea, so constantly changing. So no, that was really awesome to hear. Yeah, definitely resonates with me. Yes, thanks very much, Luke. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll speak again very soon. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. It was great to talk to you. You too, Luke. Thank you very much. As always, thanks for listening. If you are new around here, we'd love for you to stick around and get stuck into our vast back catalogue. We explore various topics such as recovery methods, diets, common health and fitness myths, and more recently, supplements. And mixed into all of that are numerous one-off specials, including tips and tricks, gym pet peeves, ski erg world records, and much more. So head over to chatshitgetfit.com and get involved. We will see you next week, same time, same place, for a brand new episode. See you soon.